When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And what is up? Welcome in a Tuesday episode of GC Live. Wes Mitchell here, Chris Clark coming up, coming at you live, getting ready for South Carolina versus Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl all coming up on Friday. Got plenty to get to. Hope again that everybody had a great Christmas. Unless you were listening to the 107.5 show earlier today, you have not heard from us. So uh, again, hope it was great. Hope you got to see your family. Hope you stayed warm. Um, it has been chilly. Good grief. Uh, hopefully everybody was able to uh, stay inside uh, for most of the time and see some family, get some presents and all the good stuff. As we roll into a new year, you see right above my head, um, our presenting sponsor is Clint Hammond of Now the Movement Mortgage. Uh, ClintHammond.com, 803-771-6933. Still that entire team for the Mortgage Network. Still the same folks, but new name, new company. And uh, if you are in the market for a new home, as always, Clint can help you out. 803-771-6933. Chris, what's been up, man? Man, hope uh, I will echo you. Hope everybody stayed warm, had a great Christmas. Uh, if you're a plumber, I'm sorry and congratulations at the same time. Um, I, I have a buddy who's a plumber and uh, whew, there was a lot going on. Uh, I was able to, counting my blessings, no busted pipes at the Clark household. Uh, probably a little touch and go there, but uh, we did have, I saw one in our neighborhood. So tough going there, but uh, good holiday season, man. Hope everybody had a great one. And you're right, man. We have not talked to the people in quite a while, so there is a lot to catch up on today. Of course, previewing the Gator Bowl, but a lot from a recruiting standpoint, too. And I know, Wes, in your show description, you had a little teaser about talking Lenora Sellers, which I am definitely equipped and ready to do today. Yeah, love to talk some Lenora Sellers, and of course, want to talk about the Gator Bowl as well. Chris and I currently still in the Columbia area, but the rest of the GC crew, or some of the GC crew, I should say, already down there in Jacksonville. So, uh, shout out to Colin Taylor, to Kendall Smith, to Michael Sauls for doing the Lord, the Lord's work for us there in Jacksonville. On the ground, they've been at both open practices, been at the two media availabilities, and uh, if you want to get complete coverage from the Gator Bowl, go to Gamecock Central. Dot com Again, uh, on our YouTube page, you can hear from some of the defensive players that spoke today and uh, from Shane Beamer, who spoke yesterday and really providing an update. I, I think, Chris, at this point, you know, there's always going to be some surprises on game day. We know how coaches are. Like, they, they keep things a little close to the vest. But for the most part, I think we kind of have an idea if you combine Shane Beamer's sort of answers to some questions yesterday with the depth chart that they put out, which I very much appreciate. This is a real depth chart. Like, I feel like they actually did, you know, there was that conversation earlier. Does the depth chart matter? Does it not? Uh, the answer is yes, it matters. 
but also it's not the end-all, be-all of where everybody's going to be lining up. As with almost everything in life, honestly, there's there's middle ground here. But, Chris, I kind of think we do have a decent idea of who's going to be on the field for South Carolina at this point, assuming no injuries between now and Friday, and um, which you always kind of have to assume that. And for the most part, I think the big question is just what is the split going to be? You know, mm-hmm. is, it, is it sort of, all right, if you're first team, for the most part, you're just going to go play, or do they use this as an opportunity to get more and more guys onto the field? I, I think it's kind of the big lingering question at this point. Yeah, and, and there are a few spots that that could apply to. So you think about the receiver rotation. Um, well, will there be a rotation? We know that they'll be missing, you know, Josh Van, obviously, from this team. is It's not at the bowl site, so he's not going to play. I don't know if they've officially said that, Wes, but he's pretty much out of this game. Jalen Brooks, you know, is very doubtful, according to Shane Beamer, to be able to play because of a situation that he's dealing with off the field. So – is it going to be that core group of guys, or is there a little bit more increased playing time for, say, a Xavier Leggett? Um, possibly. You look at the running back position. Uh, the depth chart was CBS and Juju McDowell. It was an or situation. So Juju McDowell or Christian Bill Smith, uh, obviously Marshawn Lloyd, who took a lot of carries this season. Jaheim Bell, who took a lot of carries this season, not on this football team. So is it mainly those two? Is it only those two? Or is there a spot for, say, a Rashad Amos, who is down there practicing with the team? A lot of Gamecock fans have wanted to see this year. Is he going to pick up some carries? And if so, what type of situation is that? How early is it? How many carries is it? And then you also look at, I think, a very interesting storyline is in the defensive backfield, West, where there are nine different guys on that depth chart. DQ Smith occupies a starting spot at both, and so they'll obviously slot him in one of those. But out of those nine guys listed is six true freshmen on that depth chart, whether it's Nick Eamon Worry and DQ Smith as starters or some of the guys that are in reserve roles now that have been kind of elevated on the depth chart. Peyton Williams, Emory Floyd, Keenan Nelson Jr., Kawan Banks, all guys that have seen either very small amount of run. Keenan Nelson Jr. this season has played very, very little. Kawan Banks played a good bit. Peyton Williams played a lot in just one game. So kind of a different variety of experience there. Do we see those guys on more than just special teams or are they there occupying that spot on the depth chart for kind of an emergency option? And it's going to be really the starters, Marcellus dial at one corner spot, for instance, are they going to occupy basically all the snaps? I think those are interesting questions. And I, I talked about this earlier on uh, the radio, Chris. I I kind of enjoy this. Like, I, I know some fans are not, uh, you know, I, there was some, there's a little bit of disappointment, I think. I, I even saw a few people saying, wow, you know, I already bought my tickets, but there's no Jaheim Bell. There's no Marshawn Lloyd. There's no Cam Smith, no Darius Rush. I get it. Some of the marquee players on this team this year, some of the guys who were leading the way on their respective sides of the ball. However, I look at this as a sneak preview. I look at this as an opportunity for those guys. I also said this earlier, man, not to just keep repeating myself, but I think if you're a fan, if you're a coach, if you're anybody involved in an organization, I want the guys who want to be there to to be there. And then if your attention is split 
if uh, and, and I frankly, I'm a guy. There's nothing wrong with this, in my opinion. Like if if you think it is time to move on, um, and I also think it's a different situation when we're talking about is my team in the college football playoff, is my team in a bowl game, and you know I, I've got a little bit. Uh, those of you who maybe missed it before. Shameless plug, but go check out uh, the article I wrote on uh, the decision with Darius Rush. And I've got a new appreciation for everything that can go into these decisions. And part of it is not just the game itself. If you just said, all right, go play a football game tomorrow at the end of the season, most of these guys probably say, I'm going to go play. It's the layover between the end of November all the way to almost the beginning of January. And then you're talking about getting through a full month, um, you know, of, of training with a team. You'd get some time off, don't get me wrong, but those like 12 practices where something could go wrong during that stretch as well. And then having to hop directly into NFL combine and pro day training as opposed to having some time to reset your body especially if you've been a banged-up guy. So, not trying to go off on a side tangent here, but I I don't fault any of these guys who have busted their tail. Um, I get the other side of the argument, don't get me wrong, but I don't fault any individual in this situation. Now, if you're in the college football playoff and we all worked our tails off all season to try to go win a title, and I'm your teammate and you opt out, that to me is a little bit different. Um, it's just not quite the same. However, yeah. go ahead, Chris. No, and I was going to say also, it, it very much feels like West that pro organizations view that differently too, which can yes. kind of go into the decision. A, yeah. a GM and a scouting department looks at it and says, that kid opted out for the bowl game. Okay, that's normal. We, we actually like that. <laughs> they probably like that, right? He's going to be healthy, he's not going to go get banged up in the bowl game. If we want to draft this guy playoff, they're like, Ooh, what's that say? You know, so def definitely, I think a difference, not only for the kid, for the team, but the scouting departments too, for these NFL teams. Sorry. Just wanted to throw that in. Yeah, no, a great point, man. And um, so the other side of that argument that I'm trying to get to, uh, or the other side of that point is that give, give me the guys that are fired up to be there. And because I think it does open a door for these guys, the, the energy by all reports has been really good at practice for South Carolina. And that's because I think, hey, if if you're kind of half in at this point, it's a better decision to go ahead and start getting ready to start preparing for the NFL draft as opposed to kind of, eh, let me just sort of not stick my nose in here, but play, but not quite. You can actually injure yourself by playing not to get injured. Um Get, give me, yep. give me the guys that that want to that truly want to be there, and, and then let's go play. And I think for fans, if you're like the hardcore fan who's always looking ahead, hey, what's the depth chart look like next year? This is a sneak preview of what you have at those positions. South Carolina, Chris, may get some of these young DBs in there, and they may say, we got to look at the portal more <laughs> yep. or they may look at some of these young dbs and say wow we 
We got something. We are actually set up pretty dang well here. You know, so I, I think this is good for the guys that don't really get to play a lot. I think this is good for the coaches because it's an evaluation tool. And I even think it actually is kind of fun for the fans. Like, it is a chance to see some of these guys that haven't played a ton get rewarded. Well, and we like seeing new things and, and different players. It's kind of th that preseason feel where you've got a new team. You've got some proven commodities, but you also have the freshmen or the transferred. So, obviously, these guys that are going to be playing are already – they've been a part of this team, but many of them have not played as significant a role. And so, I think there's always this fascination that we have as sports fans or media members – with kind of that, that's why trade season and free agency are so big with like the NFL and NBA. It's because there's kind of this, there's this newness to it. These transactions are so interesting and there's nothing transactional about these, but it is an opportunity to see some new guys. And these are guys that many of them, Wes, talked about a lot, you know, in the 2022 class. I mean, Kawan Banks ended up playing more than anybody that we've talked about so far. But Emory Floyd was a four-star recruit with a really nice offer list, highly ranked guy. Keenan Nelson from Philly, four-star guy. Um, you know, Rashad Amos has always been out there as someone that like Gamecock fans are intrigued by because, you know, he he looked pretty good in high school. He put up really good numbers. He's but he hasn't had a lot of run, you know. Um, the only thing that's kind of missing from this, Wes, is there's not like some backup quarterback right now that you're like, all right, this is going to be that guy's opportunity because we know Spencer Rattler's playing. This is Spencer Rattler's game. Now maybe we see somebody, Luke Doty, can play in this game, Wes, and not burn his red shirt thanks to the exemption that the NCAA passed. Maybe we see some of that. Uh, but, but, yeah, it is always something that people are interested in. And I think going back to the point about – uh, you know, guys that want to be there. I mean, I look back at last year's bowl game and South Carolina just beat North Carolina. They just outplayed them. But I think when you go back and look at that game, it was evident South Carolina looked hungrier. They looked more interested in being there. And I'm not always one of those people that overanalyzes the results of a game. If you lose a game, you know, it's common for people, oh, they just didn't want to be there. I don't think that's always the answer. But in bowl games in particular, I think it can be. And I think South Carolina wanted it more last season. So this one, Wes, with both teams missing some guys, some key guys at that, it could come down to that. Who looks more interested? Who looks disinterested? Um, and then obviously there's going to be the, the very important on-field component. And some of these guys who are going to be getting more significant action potentially than they've seen are going to weigh into that. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think as – well, as South Carolina has played on special teams, this is also a this is a Notre Dame team that has had some game-changing moments on special teams, and by uh, the efficiency numbers, they're up there in the country as well. And you would imagine South Carolina and probably Notre Dame too as well. I don't have quite, uh, obviously, as intimate of a uh, knowledge of kind of their depth chart and their roster and, and how deep it goes. But a lot of these guys for Carolina that maybe were not asked to help on special teams, I think, are going to be asked to step up. We've talked about that all season long, how South Carolina will play starters on special teams. We've talked about the 
you know, the Pete Limbo matrix basically that kind of keeps up with who's playing on one unit plus offense, who's playing on three units plus offense, who do we need to, you know, hey, this guy is going to have a huge role on offense, so we got to take back a little bit of what we ask him to do on special teams. Those are all considerations. So maybe a guy has an increased role as far as what he's asked to do on offense or defense, which means, hey, we're going to take a couple of these off his plate, which means somebody else gets to step up and gets to play on special teams. So a whole lot of just kind of domino effect things, I think, here at play for South Carolina. But again, Chris, I think they'll be ready. I really do. I I think this staff has proved time and time already. I know it's still young in the Shane Beamer coaching career, but so far when they've had extra time, they have looked like a team that has been really good at sort of just regrouping and um, coming up with some new things, doing some things to keep the guys engaged. I think that's always important. And keeping it fun. Like, I I think you're probably going to see some, some excitement in this game. We were talking earlier, man. I think the route is to turn Spencer Rattler loose again. That's been the route the last couple of games. And then you almost got to bet there's going to be some type of trick play here or there on special teams. Yeah, I mean, Shane Bieber and, and his staff with time, uh, whether it was last season's bowl game or just kind of bye weeks this year, I mean, they have done a really nice job, like you said, of, of making those adjustments and, and bringing out some new things. And so the special teams battle with how good both of these teams have been in that department is fascinating. It's typically been an edge for South Carolina when it's not been an edge. Like I even think about the Missouri game, Wes. Um, South Carolina obviously got outplayed offensively and defensively in that game, but they really just kind of played neutral in special teams, right? Didn't do anything poorly. Uh, did things fine, but didn't make any game-changing special teams plays. You contrast that with, say, the Texas A&M game where they did. Uh, Otherwise, that game kind of ended up being, at the end of the day, fairly even. And so can they do a little bit more than play even in this game against a unit that's been really good on special teams themselves? That's a question. Wes, for this game and for the future, you were talking about special teams, uh, the personnel – I knew that Trey Kenyon, for example, played a lot of special teams. He's actually played the fifth most special team snaps on this team. Played 167 snaps uh, in total in 2022. So not having him is going to be significant. He played on the kick return team, the kick coverage team, the punt return team, and the punt coverage team. He played on all of them. You look at Darius Rush, who, dude, I – I don't know if many people are better covering punts in the country than Darius Rush this year. I mean, he and Hunter Rogers, who's the long snapper for Carolina, just down there all the time. Darius Rush played 79 special team snaps, field goal block team, and the punt coverage team. So, again, two pretty significant losses just in terms, you know, of this game. Jalen Brooks played 79 snaps. He was really good covering punts, and he is, of course, very doubtful. So they're going to have not only some, like, bodies, pieces to replace special team starters, but some actual impact special teams guys too. And and that's not even to mention, you know, Josh Van on punt return. Uh, 
Might see some Amarian Brown, which we saw in the Clemson game. He had a really nice return. I'm kind of excited to see that because he's got some explosive ability, but a lot of pieces to replace on special teams. Yeah, and can you ask Nate Atkins to go play special teams if he's having to play? Right. You know, Beamer said, I can't play every snap on offense. He seems like the type of guy that would try, actually. Right. Um, he probably will end up close to that, I, I think. But I um, I don't know if you can ask him to do much on special teams, and we've seen his role as a special teams guy really grow as the season has progressed, and he has made some plays on um, on that side of the ball. Uh, still, Curtin saying he can't afford to muff those punts. Another good point there, Josh Van actually has quietly become one of the most sure-handed punt returners that I would say South Carolina has ever had. Um, I mean, one of those catches he made, was that Tennessee? There was a game where he went down and caught one and just did it nonchalant like he was catching a freaking <laughs> apple somebody tossed to him or something, but just went down there and snatched it almost off the ground with a guy right in front of him. And I was like, man, that takes – Great hands and great courage to go get that ball. So, yeah, a lot, no doubt. Lots of things to watch, lots of things to keep an eye on here. Which, again, that's what makes it fun to me. I like learning new things about a team and a program and the guys. And it's all information gathering and gives you an idea of some things going on into the future of this program. Um, let's see. C CBS, uh, by the way, I it's getting a little mixed up as far as what we've talked about earlier, what we're talking about now on this show. But CBS, um, it appears, is as healthy as he's been. Chris, still not sure if he's, you know, 100%. I'd kind of be surprised. I said it earlier, that'd be a great just bowl game storyline if he could finally get his opportunity to go play at, at close to full health. We'll see. You know, does Juju McDowell get a lot of carries? What does that look like? I mean, you mentioned it earlier. What does the receiver rotation look like? Is this a chance for an Omega Blake or a Landon Sampson to get in there? Some guys that really haven't played much this year. We saw Omega Blake get on the field during the bowl game last year. Um, you know, there, there are some opportunities here. Looking at at what our, our guys and girls on the ground there had today, not a whole lot from – practice as far as new stuff that you might you know not have expected but um Chris is there anything as far as those positions running back receiver tight end where there's only one person listed on the depth chart that you're most interested in seeing yeah we've we've gone from having two spots with two guys each on the depth chart to literally they just put one and Nate, Nate Atkins is on it and that's it and Shane Beamer has I mean Kind of joking and kind of serious, been like, no, we, we guys, we really don't have any tight ends. He's gone with the Dave Adams walk-on reference and just that he's been, you know, helping them out in practice and doing some good things. But that room's empty. Where I keep going west is I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, yeah, the rotations with Juju, CBS, um, what they do without with not having those two tight end sets that they liked a lot of. You mentioned Wyatt Campbell earlier. That, to me, seems like uh, a personnel package that if you want to line up and say we're running the football in certain situations, it seems like Wyatt Campbell and Nate Atkins might be your combo, you know, in order to do that. But where I've found myself going is just trying to figure out kind of 
a game of what is the best personnel package? You know, because we've seen South Carolina, what did they do so well at the end of the year? They scaled things back. They streamlined it. They simplified it. So it would be kind of silly for Shane Beamer, and I, I don't think he'll do this, to say, all right, well, we, you know, yeah, we want to have some wrinkles and new things for the bowl game, but let's take what worked against Tennessee and Clemson and scaling it back, and let's throw that out the window, and let's roll out 52 personnel packages for the bowl game with a scaled back, like, personnel in general. I don't see that happening. So what is the best personnel package? And I think there's still different answers on that depending on what you want to do, but I know I want Nate Adkins on the field, right? You're going to have Rattler. You're going to have one of your backs. You know, where do you go from there? What what do you do from there? Because now you've got – if you've got Rattler, if you've got your back, a seven, you've got Atkins, I think you're probably going to see a lot of three receiver, one tight end, one back sets would be my guess. And from there you're going – you know, Juice obviously is going to be a priority – probably going to see a lot of AB in the slot as well, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'll see Atkins, man. Then you're going to see you're going to see three out of the four of Juice, with Juice being a lock. Um, Juice, AB, on, and Xavier Leggett. Like, I, I think uh-huh. that's pretty clearly going to be, and if you look at the depth chart, um, probably going to be, Juice, A.B., and to carry on just the way they listed things. But Leggett will certainly play a role, I think, in this game, too. But, um, you know, those are guys A.B. and carry on have primarily been your slot guys but are capable of playing other positions. So I would think you'd maybe see A.B. play outside some. I think he's done that some in his career. But that's probably, I would say, your best personnel and then whoever you like at running back based on practice in the lead-in based on down distance, uh, the play you have called, all those different things, you know, will factor in, I'm sure, as the game goes along. But, yeah, for the most part, I don't think you reinvent this thing. You still have a a gunslinger who has uh, been playing at a very all-time high confidence level, it seems like, in Spencer Rattler. So, I think you build it. You build it around him, man. You kind of go back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the year before you kind of saw the – the ups and downs of everything. Um, you build this thing around Rattler. I think that's the way it started. That's the way it's going to finish. That's the way it was the last couple of um, games. So we'll see if that is the case. Offensive line, dude, I, as much as they they have lost a, a guy or two, as much as they'll lose several guys going into the offseason, I know a lot of people have sort of assumed, well, wow, there's a lot of seniors. They're going to be in rough shape on the O-line next year. I kind of think – you can almost work alongside the coaches here and sort of see what they're thinking at that spot. You mentioned Wanamaker. He's going to get a shot. I I would enjoy seeing what a, a Case and Henry can do just to see what his progress looks like. It has seemed like he is the furthest along of those freshman offensive linemen. And uh, he got in a game late um, during the sort of early to middle part of the year, a couple of games, I think when South Carolina had a big lead, but uh, he's made his way onto the depth chart behind Wanamaker. Yeah, yes. And, I mean, the good news is, and you never want to, you know, not rooting for for injuries, Wes, but in the situations where South Carolina's had some guys out in the past, Dylan Wanam included, you know, uh, who's not going to play in the bowl game, 
that has opened the door for some others or trying some different combinations or doing a little bit more rotation. You know, there were some times in the past where we would get asked a lot, Wes, will the staff rotate offensive linemen a little bit more? And, and typically the answer was no, but we've now seen, you know, the staff this year did that a little bit to try to find the best combination. And they did seem to land on one early in the year or later in the year, I'm sorry, with Nichols and Moore both playing on that left side. Dylan Wanham when he came back. Now they won't have Wanham, but Wanamaker is a guy that has, even though he's still a younger type of player, still has a good bit of experience. Um, and then you'll have, you know, Douglas and Gwen in there. Those guys have played tons of football. And then the others that I mentioned. And, you know, as yes, they'll have some guys leave, but they've also got some other guys in the hopper that have gained some valuable experiences. It's not going to be like they're going to throw in next year, um, you know, three guys that are all true freshmen, redshirt freshmen to replace those guys. It'll be guys like Wanamaker, like Trey Jones, um, some guys that have played some meaningful snaps. Yeah, man. So I'll, I'll be curious to see what that rotation, if there is any rotation, what it looks like for this bowl game. And uh, again, interested to see what guys get in um, and what guys do not. And um, it, it's kind of it's kind of fun, honestly. I'll be curious to see. Before we move further, I want to tell you about our friends at Liberty Tax, uh, 803-462-5576. Shout out to Larry and our friends at Liberty Tax for being a sponsor here on GC Live. We're going to be telling you much more about these guys uh, going into the new year because, believe it or not, it will be tax time. So uh, you got to get your taxes done. You want to take the weight off of your shoulders, not have to worry about doing it yourself, not have to worry about dealing with a big national brand or calling somebody over the phone, go to one of your local Liberty Taxes here in Columbia. Uh, they're in, they're in actually in Columbia. They're in Irmo and in Lexington, three convenient locations. Uh, you can reach any of those by giving them a call at 803-462-5576. Overcome your taxiety with our friends here in the local area with Liberty Tax. So, Chris, um, Anything else on the game we want to get to before we shift a bit to recruiting? We, of course, will be talking about the game tomorrow as well. I'm still working on our Notre Dame guest. I have not heard back. However, I'm hoping we'll be able to have that done tomorrow because I, I do want to learn a bit more about this team and what they have left. Chris, have you done any research on that yet? I have not. I have done some light digging on Notre Dame and the next – couple of days, Wes, definitely have planned to do more. I do know that uh, something interesting I saw on our Notre Dame on three site, as our boss, Brian Shoemaker, pointed out, do have an on three site uh, or a Notre Dame site on the on three network. They do a good job over there. Marcus Freeman, their head coach, did say this week that Tyler Buckner is going to be their starting quarterback in the lead up to the Gator Bowl. I don't – to me, that wasn't really questionable, Wes. Apparently – over in South Bend, like it was maybe a little bit questionable. Buckner, of course, had won the starting job earlier in the year. And then Drew Pine uh, took that starting job, was their starter throughout the rest of the season. And then he um, obviously opted out and is going in the transfer portal. So Tyler Buckner is taking reps with their ones. Uh, I think their backup is an inexperienced guy as well. So found that interesting. They're obviously without Michael Mayer. They're great projected first-round 
draft pick tight end and their best defensive player, defensive lineman, also supposed to be out of this game. But other than that, a good bit more uh, to learn about this Notre Dame team. I do know, Wes, their calling card. We'll dive into this more. Back half of the season, they were much better than the first half stopping the run. I think I pointed out on the Gamecock Central takeover today, uh, didn't give up a 100-yard rusher for the last several games of the season. And then this Notre Dame team had kind of established itself as a team that's going to play great special teams, stop the run, and try to establish a physical running game offensively. So we'll learn more throughout the rest of this week, and I still have plenty to learn myself. Yeah, again, we're working on getting a special guest on from that Notre Dame on three site, and uh, hopefully they'll be able to come on and share some great insight with us. Uh, Craig asked if we are going to be at the game. Yes, uh, Chris and I will both be down there. And uh, for anybody else that is going to be there, if you're interested in coming and hanging out with us, uh, or at least being in the same room with us there at uh, the Florida Theater, there's a special concert going on with uh, Patrick Davis uh, and Edwin McCain. That's December 29th at 8 p.m. And uh, we've got some tickets to give away. So basically, if I can find the link for you all so I can retweet it back onto the timeline. If you go to the Gamecock Central Twitter account, or you can go to GamecockCentral.com and hit the news button and just scroll back down to find it, or on the top of the Insiders Forum, from now until... Basically, midnight tonight. It closes at midnight. All you got to do is enter your name and your email address, and our system there is going to pick a winner after midnight. Two free VIP tickets to the Patrick Davis, Edwin McCain concert in Jacksonville. If you're already going to be there, it is going to be an awesome time the night before the game, and uh, it's going to be a lot of folks that you've probably seen uh, at GC events or other Gamecock events uh, throughout the year. So looking forward to that. All right, Chris, let's talk a little recruiting, man. South Carolina adding Lenora Sellers to the mix on Friday. Not unexpected. You know, I think we had sort of tried to give the people um, as much as we could that, hey, this was going to, this was looking good for the Gamecocks. He makes it official in one of the, I would say, most to the point, quickest, most efficient uh, announcements I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but you and I were both there as Sellers announced, then signed with South Carolina, made it official. Um, first of all, big picture thoughts on the pickup for South Carolina. Well, a great pickup for USC, and, and you're right, man. The announcement ceremony, now you and I have done a bunch of these. Some of them are more uh, efficient than others, to use your word, and that one probably won the award. I mean, it started on time. Like, it starts – you get this, oh, we're actually starting, and we're starting on time. And then he gets up there, and you think maybe you have a little bit of lag time. No, he just gets up there. I'm going to South Carolina. Boom. Done. But, um, man, this is, a this is I think, a significant pickup for South Carolina. It's kind of cliche, but you always want to uh, keep the best players in your state home. I mean, we saw during Spurrier's best years, Carolina didn't get everybody in the state. But the impact guys, or most of the impact guys, they were able to get. And so Sellers, you know, I'm surprised it's not gotten, you know, even more national love. But when you look at the skill set, there's just so much to like. I, I can't really find weaknesses, Wes, or holes in the game. He's got size at 6'3", 215. Um, he can get even bigger. 
He's young for his grade. You look at you look at that throw if you're watching the video stream that he just made. The accuracy, the touch he can throw with the ball. He's got zip. He's a really crafty runner and a strong kid, so he can break a lot of tackles at the high school level too. I think he's going to be an adept runner at the college level, just both in terms of being able to use him on some design stuff, some draws, counters, things like that, but also just buying time and escaping the pocket. Just so much to like about Lenora Sellers. Man, the the quick release too. Like this kid, um, quick release, throws a beautiful ball, uh, great deep ball, has touch underneath. Um, I mean, some of these moves where he gets away from people and then makes something happen are insane. And we're I, I'm fully convinced we're gonna look back and there are gonna be people who didn't really follow recruiting. They're gonna say, Why was this guy a three star? How did he not have more offers? And everybody who really paid attention is gonna be like, Well, we try to tell you that. Because right. the the local buzz about this kid has not matched what he looks like if you just pull up a profile, you know, with recruiting rankings, I think. And, again, I talked about this earlier. Charles Power from On3 who handles the rankings. He's been all over it with this guy, number 156 in the country. And, I mean, Chris, ar arguably, the, arguably the best player in the state, I think, uh, from a prospect standpoint. And he really, before his senior year, Probably wasn't even in that conversation with a lot of people. But I think when you look at what he can actually do, I could make a strong case that he, he should be number one in the state. Well, I, I will, I will, I don't know if this is going out on a limb, but I will, you know, double down on that and go a little bit stronger. He is definitely the best player in the state to me. Just the on field, what he did, the impact. I mean, he he is the MVP. He won Shrine Bowl MVP on offense. But South Florence, Drew Marler, their coach, did an outstanding job. But it is not hard to see that Sellers, I mean, he made the difference in, in this team, going 15-0, winning their first state title. If you saw Ken Floyd, the head coach at AC Flora, I mean, that was a tight game at the beginning. But they got a couple stops, South Florence did. And Sellers just kept making play after play, whether it was throwing the ball, running the ball, escaping, buying time. And he was the difference. And if you talk to opposing coaches, or if you hear Drew Marlowe, the South Florence head coach talk, you hear that type of language frequently. He beat us. He single-handedly beat us. He was the difference. You hear that constantly. So I think he was the best player, the most impactful player in the state. And I do think there's a really good argument to be made he's the best prospect, too, because this isn't one of those kids, Wes, like, you know, sometimes you see a guy and you're kind of analyzing him. You go, this guy's a really good high school player or even in college. That guy's a really good college player, but he doesn't translate as well to the pros. I think when you look at Sellers, he has a lot of traits that translate also to college because – He's got the arm strength. He's got the accuracy. He's got the IQ, the size, the kind of quiet leadership ability, the intangibles, and the ability to run the football physically and, and crafty. I think he's got all those things that he's displayed, but that 
he has those traits in a way that where they can also translate to the high school level. So you could make the argument he's the best player and the best prospect in the state for this class, I think. Yeah, man. I, and I think um, here, I, I actually got some more highlights. So I was going to queue up if y'all give me a second. He's, he's got uh, quite a long highlight tape. That was one of them. And uh, we need to find out if there's some soccer highlights, Chris. Um, I, I would, I was thinking about that same thing, man. Need to queue up some soccer highlights. I remember when we saw this kid and Shane Beamer referenced this the other day, uh, during bowl, bowl practice availability, he referenced, uh, having sellers down at their seven on seven camp. And you and I were there and saw that. And at the time was Lenoris committed to Virginia then or not yet? I think he was, um, he either remember. was like about to commit to Virginia or had committed. And we saw him and we were like, man, like this kid, like he's big, he's accurate, throwing it all over the place. And then the turning point for me, not that I wasn't like sold on him players. I liked what I'd seen, you know, limited film, um, what I'd seen on that summer camp circuit. But I saw him last September uh, play against a, a Nick Eamon Worry led Irmo defense. Um, Nick had racked up, I mean, well, he, he would end up racking up like 200 something tackles as a senior all over the place. And that was a good Irmo team and sellers. He scored at least five touchdowns in that game. I know he passed for five and South Florence won 63 to 28. And it was the same type of deal, like the same story that we see so often with sellers and that he just he just kept coming, just play after play. He'd make a big run. He'd make a big throw. He'd throw a touchdown. And he made several throws, even in that game, Wes. I was in the stands going, geez, what a throw that was. And, you know, then obviously um, ended up having the huge, huge senior year where he put up over 4,200 yards of total offense and over 60 touchdowns and uh, just really – Putting himself on the – I think he was already on the map, but I think that convinced everybody in the state of South Carolina West that this guy was the real deal. Yeah, and I, I think you look, man, 2020, COVID year, 2021, injury, lots of schools sort of handle their, their QB recruiting a little bit early in the process. So I, I think that's one of these situations where it certainly worked against him as far as the number of offers he, uh, you know, he could have. And, um, you know, again, such a low-key guy as well. I I know we've talked about it a little bit, man, the intangibles, but I, I like the leadership quality here, even from a guy who isn't incredibly um, outgoing just in a normal setting. He's one of those guys that has, for, for one, lead-by-example qualities. And for two, tends to just, for lack of a better way to say it, he flips the switch when he's in between the lines. And I, I think you gotta you gotta like and respect that in your quarterback. You do. Um, I was even watching somebody. I can't properly credit. I'll have to find it and and send it out there, Wes. But somebody had a great highlight video from the South Florence AC Florida State title game. It was shot from down on the field, but just had kind of a different perspective than what we're watching here, like the 
from the press box. This was down on the field, and it was like kind of almost cinematic. And you could see how Sellers was conducting himself, and it was just fascinating to watch because a lot of the big plays, it was just kind of no reaction, just get up. But sometimes he would get kind of like quietly fired up, but he was kind of restrained. I think he even said something to the other team every now and then. Uh, it, it was really interesting to watch. So not as not a super demonstrative kid, but just he has he he just kind of has it. That's how somebody described him to me the other day. They're like, whatever it is, he has it. I think it was Drew Marlowe, the South Point's head coach, actually, that said that. Whatever it is, he has it. Phil asked, should he be a five star? That's so five star is a big sentence. Like <laughs> it is. To be a five star. Hold on, y'all, y'all bear with me here. How, let's see how many five stars are there in the country at quarterback. Ooh. Do you know um, off the top of your head? Um I don't. I think there's uh 25 to 30 total total, yeah. Kids yeah. every year that are so, five stars. So this year on three consensus, right? Quarterbacks. You got Arch Manning, Malachi Nelson, one, two, Jackson Arnold, yeah, Dante Moore, um, Nico, who I can't say is lab at Tennessee. <laughs> uh that is that's it. It So, yep. I'll say this. So, you're talking about, at least on three consensus, that would put you as a top 32 prospect in the country. Um, even Charles, who is higher on him than anyone, has him at 150. Yeah. So... I think that would be a little bit of a leap at this point. However, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he can't play his way into being a guy that we look back on and say, oh, he should have been a five-star. Well, the the that brings me to a point. I'm glad you said that. kind of reminded me of this. The kind of shame about it, and, and I don't know if Lenoris would even be interested in this, but I kind of wish he would have – been selected to an all-star game or maybe he was and we don't know <laughs> apparently he keeps things so low-key if he would have been selected to the army all-american game or the the under armor game where we could see him like stack up in practice or in the game against that type of comp competition that would kind of be fascinating because i feel like he could have gone out to either one of those and we could have gotten a little bit more of a verdict it might have been well he's he's it probably would have resulted in at least the rest of the industry catching up to arm three would be my guess. That's my guess. Because I think he would have played well in a practice or game setting with those. Or it could have been he he bumps himself up even more from there. Um, but that is, I mean, you got, what you mentioned, five quarterbacks, Wes, um, in that group. That's pretty, you know, elite company. But, man, when you look at, again, the physical tools, and the production, you know, I, I'm not saying you can make a five-star argument or you need to, but, I mean, certainly to be where he's ranked by on three, I think makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, man. So, uh, by the way, uh, speaking of Charles Power earlier, we're about to have a special guest. I've been texting with Charles a little bit here during the show, and Charles is actually free right now. He handles recruiting rankings on on three and um, technology willing. He's actually about to hop on with us right now and tell us his perspective on Lenoris. And we'll get while we have him, we'll get his thoughts on a couple of the other guys in South Carolina's class. So should have some good surprise insight coming up here shortly. Um, once Charles can hit uh, the link, I just sent it to him. So um, we'll bear with him. And uh, Chris, I want to get his thoughts maybe while we have him on, you know, Vakari Swain as well, somebody else that Shane Beamer talked about yesterday and that was a little bit late signing with South Carolina just as far as it being after um, the um, press conference there. There's Charles. We're going to bring him on in right now. It is Charles Power, a director of rankings here on On3. Charles, appreciate you making the time, man. How you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, working through some some travel stuff uh, for these All-Star games. I'm stuck in Myrtle Beach. Um, I was supposed to go back to Nashville yesterday. But, uh, yeah, working on travel stuff, I guess, like everybody is, or a lot of people are now. So, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good. It's a, a madhouse out there from what I've seen on, yeah. on Twitter. So, We'll, uh, we'll wish you luck uh, getting where you need to go, man. I know you got a lot coming up. But I've been trying to tell people, Charles, there's nobody that has been higher on the Norris Sellers or earlier on the Norris Sellers, I think, than you. Uh, Gamecock fans, I think, that are really paying attention now are, are watching the film going like, holy cow, like this guy is a stud. So what what have you what did you see from Lenoris early on? And uh, what, what have you seen from him as this big senior year sort of played out? Yeah, so, so I mean, I've I've known about Lenora Sellers for for a while. Um, you know, just kind of being you know, just being from South Carolina and and following um, just the area, PD high school football. Um, but but yeah, I, I think I first saw him in person at Clemson's camp in June of 2021. It was the first. Uh, it was the first, actually, the first day that. Uh, prospects were allowed back on college campuses after COVID. Um, so I saw him there. It was really in hindsight, most of the top quarterbacks in the, in this cycle were there. Um, it's like Arch Manning, Nico Yamaliava, uh, who else is there? Christopher Vizina, who Clemson ended up taking. Um, and then other guys like Jaden Davis. It was, it was like a who's who of quarterbacks really um, within the Southeast, if not, if not the country. And so that was my first chance to see Lenoris there. And I, I knew a little bit about him. Um, I thought he he looked you know pretty good. He's a guy who you know is, is younger for the class, um, and I think he was still, still kind of developing. But had started a year at, at as a sophomore at, at South Lawrence, and I, I thought he really looked on par with with um, those national prospects, despite having just not quite the recruiting attention that they did just in the camp setting. So um, you know, kind of started to track him a little bit as a junior. He got up to a really good start as a as a junior at South Lawrence prior to the injury. I think he was averaging about four touchdowns a game. Um, their first four games. And I honestly, to be honest, I think he would have done the same thing as a junior if he had had the chance to play. Like he was tracking like that and he just only, you know, just unfortunately had that injury. Like I think South Lawrence, if they, if they wouldn't have won a state title would have made a deep run um, in, in his junior year. So I think it was more of a matter of, of uh, when, not if this happened. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Wes, like we've talked about, like, I think, Lenoris is, is is a prospect where the the more you learn about him, the more impressive it is. Like he's a guy who you kind of peel back the layers, um, and you kind of just realize he has all these like positive indicators. You know, whether it's 
how good of a student he is. He's really good at soccer. Um, you know, just, just the, the production, the athleticism. And I think really what catches people off guard or maybe surprises people is, is just how strong his arm is. Um, you know, I know, I know y'all saw him at the seven on seven camp over the summer. Um, and, and I think, you know, just how young he is, he, he continued to develop physically. I think he really matured physically um, over the past, you know, year, year and a half. Um, you know, he's a guy who obviously doesn't, uh, you know, obviously doesn't skip, you know, time in the weight room. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you just, just him having the opportunity his senior year and um, you just, just his feel for the game and everything he showed, I think it was just, it was just, just getting that, getting that chance to play. Um, you know, we, we had him ranked as I think the highest three-star quarterback for really most of the cycle. It was just a matter of just seeing him as a senior and getting more of a sample size. And, you know, I had pretty high expectations for him, but I mean, he blew my expectations out of the water. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I think he's a guy that South Carolina fans should definitely be excited about. And it's, it's interesting too. Like, you know, I, I kind of think in, you know, just from following, you know, South Carolina prospects, like from the state over the years, he's as good of a quarterback that I've seen come from South Carolina, you know, as a high school player and prospect, you know, since I've been keeping track of it, which is like, I guess, but like the last 20 years or so. So um, yeah. And I, 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 I think too, I think the, the, the question people always ask is like, well, you know, why did he not have all this recruiting attention? Like, why did he not have the, the power five offers? I think that's probably something y'all have had to explain, I'm sure. But that's just the way quarterback recruiting is now. Like, they start recruiting these guys when they're in 10th grade. Um, so I think if we, if we were going to reset the board for schools, I think people would be lining up for Lenora Sellers based on what he did as a senior year. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's Gamecock fans should be very excited by him for sure. Charles, appreciate you again joining us, man, especially on short notice. So one, one of the things we got asked earlier was for a decent comp to Lenora Sellers college or NFL. I know on his own three profile, I think Jalen Hurts is listed. Mm -hmm. uh, who, who do you think from maybe a couple guys, one guy from a college or NFL standpoint, he maybe favorably compares to? Yeah, I, I think I think the play style and as a high school player um, reminds me of Jalen Hurts a little bit, just with how he was used, um, you know, as a as a runner. Uh, guys like a thousand a thousand plus yard rusher. I think the run style is similar. Um, I actually think Sell I mean Sellers is bigger and has a stronger arm at the same stage as as Hurts. Um, you know, Hurts was maybe like a little more like technical mechanical. Um, yeah, as a passer, but um, yeah, I think from a, from a body type perspective. I think he's kind of in that Trey Lance, um, Deshaun Watson type, you know, guy. Like he's a six six three. I mean, he's he's a lot bigger than Deshaun Watson was in high school. Deshaun Watson was probably 180, 190. You know, Sellers is probably close to two twenty. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of where he ends up from a size a size perspective. I see people throw out Dak Prescott as well. It's kind of that that type. I think he'll probably be around, you know, six three. 230 range um you know he's got a pretty relatively lean build like you wouldn't you would look at him you wouldn't guess this is a 220 pounder but that, that that's what he that's what he weighs on the scale so um yeah i, I think i think those guys would, would be kind of the ones that i would throw out there um you know i i think i think you know as, as from a upside perspective i think you would maybe go with watson from a body type probably trey lance and i think just as a high school player it probably reminds me the most of jalen hurts Charles, uh, you you mentioned it a little bit already, but uh, the soccer background here, I think, is one of the more intriguing things about yeah. him. I think probably um, not necessarily the carryover you always see, like you see 
a lot of football players that play basketball or do track. Um, soccer is interesting to me, but I, I got to think there's some carryover in just footwork and dexterity and just um, um, even conditioning and competitiveness as well. What, what about his exploits as a soccer player? What does that tell you about him potentially as a quarterback? Yeah, I, I think I, I have not seen too many quarterbacks. We see a lot of multi-sport quarterbacks. I think that's something that's, that's very, um, you know, pretty important in, in just the high incidence you see with with a lot of top quarterbacks. It's just the ability to play um, in space. I think spatial awareness, whether it's basketball, um, like depth perception, um, mm -hmm. movement skills in general. I think quarterback is increasingly an athlete position. You look at quarterbacks who really play well in college football and ultimately the NFL, like almost all those guys were considered like dual threat quarterbacks coming out. Um, where really like, that's kind of like the new pro style, to be honest. Um, I think you have to have a, a baseline level of movement skills um, to play at quarterback at a high level and just, uh, you know, escape pressure. So I think that, that for sure. And I, I think just like the footwork, you can see the kind of the pace when he runs, like you can like, see in this video, like he he's got like, he's not necessarily like a long strider, but he has like a, a really good burst, like initial burst. And I, I could imagine like that probably, is something he picked up or, or just improved um, just, just from dribbling a soccer ball and changing directions, cutting on a dime kind of thing. I think um, I, I've never, I, I've never seen video of him playing soccer, but, but I know he's like a striker. Like he scores a lot of goals. I think he averages like he averaged like over a goal and a half a game for his varsity careers. I mean, you can imagine, I mean, this guy, he's probably a, the best athlete on the field at all times, I would guess. And yeah. he's a 220 pounder. We've, we've all seen high school soccer players. Like I was a bunch of my friends were, high school soccer players just kind of like little scrawny guys. I'm sure he's just bodying these. these <laughs> I would, I would love to see the video of that. We need but, to unearth um, that man. Yeah, for sure. That would, that would maybe go viral, especially if he, if he kind of has like a big career, like, you know, yeah. like at, at South Carolina, potentially the NFL, like that would be something I'm sure that they would show on a broadcast. Somebody needs to get their hands on that for sure. But um, yeah, I, I think any of that, any of that um, multi-sport stuff is, is great. Just, I think from, you know, com competing year round, movement skills, stamina, um, and, uh, you know, just, just like the spatial awareness. Cause that's so much of, of quarterback, something you can't really simulate, uh, out, outside of, a 11 on 11 padded game is just how you react and, and just the, the quickness, you know, in, in decision-making and responding to pressure. And that's one thing too, you can see like on that pump fake right there on that, on, on the video, like he, he does a really good job of, of, of reacting and, and making split second decisions. He's not a guy who's going to, you know, just, just kind of fold when somebody's in his face. And I think that's, that's one thing you have to be really excited about. And I think too, like that, I think he benefited from that playing early in his career at South Florence. Like he was under siege a lot, at, at, like initially, like in his, the, the first year. So like they were not, South Florence is not a good, like a really good team. You know, when, when Drew Marlowe took over and Sellers was, you know, first, second year playing, I think they may have, might've won like two games. And that's one thing too, like that, that really impressed me about him is, you know, he has like a good coaching staff and there are some good players there, but, um, you know, South Florence had never won a state title, not only in football, but any boy sport before this year. So, like, I mean, he's like a historic athlete there and just in Florence in general. Um, so in, in a lot and most of that was him. I think one thing when you look at quarterbacks, like it's like, are they like a, a, a truck or a trailer? Like he was he was driving the team. You know, if you watch him play, like everything was centered around him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I think there's there's so many positive indicators um, with, with, with him and. You know, I think it's one of those deals where the more and more you look at it, it probably seems like a lot for, you know, fans to process like we're like where, where this guy just kind of came out of nowhere. But I mean, it's the, it's the senior year and that's such an important um, 
you know, eval point for us. And I think it's really the best indicator of, uh, you know, a quarter, especially a prospect, but a quarterback's, um, you know, future success. Charles, uh, before we let you go, man, I, I want to move over to one other prospect, at least. Um, Vicari mm-hmm. Swain out of Georgia is an athlete that you guys are – you're also much higher on him than the rest of the recruiting industry. Two-way guy, had a had a big last couple years, junior and senior season. But just tell us you know, what you like about Swain, and also give us your take. This has been a controversial topic. What position is he best at in the, in the college oh. game? Um, so Vakari Swain is just extremely explosive. Like, I think if I did just describe him in one word, it would be like twitchy or explosive. I think if you go back and even watch some of like the video from him at, at the Under Armour camp in Atlanta, like his broad jump that he did in socks was, I think like, like 11 feet or something. It was just an absurd, like it was just ridiculous. Like I, I had to like check the number on it. Um, but, uh, and I think that 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 kind of athleticism transfers over to the field. I mean, he's complete playmaker on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, really good ball skills as a DB. I think that kind of differentiates him a little bit. In addition to the athleticism, is just you know his like he comes down with interceptions. Um, you know, I think the the wide receiver skills transfer over really well to, to DB. And then he's extremely physical too. Like he's a striker. I mean, he's he's a pre, like just a physical presence over the middle of the field. Closes quickly. Um, I like him the most at DB, whether that's corner or safety. Um, I think that remains to be seen. I, I just think the upside there to be a difference maker um, is is so high. And, and I think with defensive back, that's it's really an athlete position, um, whereas receiver is more of like a like a quote unquote skill position. You know, it's, uh, it's a lot more technical with route running. And I think just with his sheer athleticism and then his ball skills, I think at, at DB stack up on the high end. I, I think that it just kind of differentiates him a little bit more there. Um, and I think I think Beamer said that they were going to probably start him at DB th- this week yeah. and just see see where it goes. I mean, I think that's probably a good call. Um, you know, whether that's corner or safety, um, not sure. I think we haven't like I, I, we haven't ranked as an athlete right now. If I had probably had to rank him as one, I I would guess safety. Um, but he's certainly athletic enough to play corner. So um, that's probably my, my general take on 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 Vicari Swain. But yeah, I mean, when we were going through like the mid season, um, the, the or the first senior season update. Um, his his film like flashed in a big way. Like I think there's it's hard to watch it and not think this is like a national a national prospect. And, and that's one thing we try to do too with with you know with with Sellers and Swain. They're they're good examples. Like Nick Emanwari was like this. Like I think we had him as the highest ranked uh, South Carolina signee last year. Like if you went back and just watched the senior video and looked at the production and then kind of you know supplemented that with just uh, you know, his, his testing numbers and the size and the length. Um, I think all the things were there, all the, all the signs were there that he was really kind of a, a unique player um, in, in South Carolina's class. So I think those two guys um, look just going through the, you know, the commit list are kind of off the top of my head. I think those would be two that you would point to and say, these are, you know, their arrows pointing up based on what they did as a senior. And they just have a lot of positive indicators for sure. Yeah. Check Mark on the uh, Eamon Worry evaluation there yeah, that, that was that, that was the one you watched like a, a game or two of the season you're like okay like that's that's an instant hit <laughs> so we feel yeah good. yeah yeah it was like literally um the eighth play of the season <laughs> yeah. guy was out there making plays and then yeah. it was like all right he's a starter now like there's no there's no rotation here he's the guy uh so yeah check mark on that one man um while we got you is there any so you you already got i mean you've set the market on sellers as far as um 
how high we have him right now, 156 in the country. I'm kind of waiting. One thing I like about on three is our people are not scared to compare the different rankings, and, and they have it right there for everybody. We'll see if the rest of the industry catches up on that. Is is Sellers at his probably high point for us, for you, or is there any room for him or maybe any of these other guys? Is anybody that comes to mind that could potentially move up in the class for South Carolina? I'm yeah. looking, uh, again, you're – most so the highest ranked guy, highest rated guy is Marky Anderson, but most of the industry is sort of on the same page with him. It's more Vicari, uh, Lenoris, um, for the most part. Uh, Trevon Ball, I think you're higher on than most. Um, but uh, is there is there anybody else or that stands out? Or I think, think Jalen Kilgore has maybe some room to go up. Um, he didn't have a ton of film when we went through it i mean i haven't we're in the process of putting our final rankings together so um i don't like to make like rankings promises as a policy right. generally but um i think he's one that i'm excited to kind of watch when we go through safeties i think he's you know i think we're probably a, a little lower on him than he will end up whether that's you know as a as a four star um or not i, I think sellers how i would phrase it was you know since since we've done the last rankings there's been more on him like i think I think, I think we came out with that one the week before Thanksgiving. So I, it was it would have been like their third round playoff game would have been the last one. So he's he had three games since then the Shrine Bowl. Um, as I've continued to go through more stuff, I would just put it this way: he's not going to go down. Like if he goes, if he moves, it's going to be going up. And I would imagine he'll go up at least a little, if not if not more than a little. Um, and 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 I think too, like we'll we'll get to see, you know, his his. Um, you know, sample size or kind of everything we've got from him is, is done, but we'll, we'll see more quarterbacks as well, um, you know, over the next week or so and, and kind of go through the rest of their senior seasons. But man, I mean, it's, it's hard, it's hard to look at, at, at what Sellers did as a senior. I mean, I think he, he really, to me, probably had the best senior season of, of any quarterback nationally when you consider the competition level, what he meant to his team, just the, like the stats. I mean, his stats are, I think he had the highest touchdown percentage rate, a passing touchdown percentage rate, lowest interception rate. He had the second most touchdowns per game of any quarterback that we looked at, like probably of the top 20. Um, it really hits kind of all the marks. So um, it's hard when you stack them up just kind of objectively on paper um, to not have him, you know, in a, as like a top 150 type. I, I, and I would imagine too, like I can't speak for everybody else, but I would think that he'll get moved up in the other rankings. Like I, I would – I mean, I would be, I would be surprised. I mean, he obviously, I mean, I think he should. Um, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think he'll move up, continue to continue to move up. And I think, you know, maybe like us putting it out there that we're hiring everybody else probably might, might attribute, you know, attribute to that a little bit too. So. Yeah. 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 So sometimes people ask me that very question, like, Hey, is he going to move up? And I'm like, in the other rankings. And I'm like, yeah. How, how should I know? But, um, but yeah, we shall see, man. Charles, hey, great stuff as always, dude. We appreciate you making the time. Uh, full of knowledge. Um, I don't know if you can see the little chat popping up on your screen as well, but lots of people, Gamecock fans, are uh, thanking you and saying we need to have you on more often. So, hopefully we can make that happen. Um, the uh, So, hey, good luck on the travel. Yeah. And, um, hey, say uh, you're in Myrtle Beach. Um, say what's up to the Dodies and the McGonicals for me while you're oh, yeah. down there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good, good, good friends with the McGonagall's for sure. Hey, what? But watch out for those McGonagall's now. <laughs> for sure, they have some fun. 
But yeah, uh, they do. Char- good people. Yeah. Awesome. Charles, we appreciate you, man. I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Sounds good. See y'all. All right. Yep. Charles Power, Director of Rankings here at On3. Appreciate him joining us. And um, Chris, that, that was some good stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with sellers, I mean, just all the data there that, that Charles kind of gave us and backed up, whether it's the statistical analysis of here's what he did, here's how it stacked up. I mean, I knew it was an amazing season. Anytime a guy has, you know, 4,200 total yards, um, you know, I think 1,300 rushing yards, almost 3,000 passing yards, over 60 total touchdowns to two picks, that's going to be an amazing season. But just to hear where that stacks up, you know, against other big-time quarterbacks in terms of just how good of a season it was, you heard, I mean, either the top or the second, you know, highest totals out of those. And then just some of the comparisons, Wes, uh, some of the names that we heard, Jalen Hurts, Deshaun Watson, Trey Lance. So the starting quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, a couple former first-round picks, pretty good company there um, to be be thrown around in. And And to have some say, in some instances, you say, he's bigger than Deshaun Watson or – his arms a little bit better than Jalen hurts and things like that. That's I think really, really exciting stuff um, or should be for Gamecock fans. And possibly some room for the ranking. I I was wondering if the ranking, I didn't maybe ask it that well. I'm thinking of a better way to ask it now. I was wondering if the ranking was topped out as far as Charles is concerned. Like, Oh, I'm all it's like, Hey guys, I already have him almost top 150 in the country which is way higher than anybody else. But it sounds like, uh, you know, and and I'm with you, I wish we were going to be able to see this kid at an all-star game. However, um, there is new information that has not been baked into that ranking yet. So depending, it probably depends on what some other guys do as well, but sounds like an opportunity for Lenoris to at least potentially slide up a little bit further and then, We'll see what happens with the other rankings again. We have no control over any of that, but we shall see what it looks like. And I, uh, again, I, I think I think Charles put it well though, Chris, when he said, I, "I know this might be a little bit strange because of how under recruited he is and how late he kind of came onto the radar." I think nationally, but this is a guy. If he had done what he did as a junior, I think South Carolina would have been fighting off like this would have this would have maybe been the guy in the class that every you know we talk about every year or every couple years there's like a guy that every fan is like dialed into their every move and South Carolina's fighting off everybody to keep him home in a different universe that might have been Lenore Sellers yeah like the the Jordan Birch from the 2020 class of uh, every single move yeah, exactly. And, you know, again, I said this on the GC Takeover Hour on 107.5. I mean, there were some indications that sellers maybe had a little bit more interest or other offers than even came out publicly. But this would have been very much a probably a more public recruitment. I think you would have heard more folks. I mean, I, go back to this. I mean, that Irmo game I saw in 2021 was right at the beginning of the season. I don't remember. It, it might have even been the first game of the season. I mean, it was early September, and Sellers absolutely torched Dermo and Nicky Mori, and then only played four games that year. 
So he didn't have, I mean, he created some buzz with that. Oh, look at this guy. Look at this team. Look at this kid. And then after that, obviously died down because he missed most of that season. Mm. Comes back as a senior, though, builds on it, improves on it even. Um, and by that time, though, he was committed somewhere. Char as Charles pointed out, you have early, early recruiting of quarterbacks now. Sophomore year, freshman year sometimes. Teams tend to kind of get their guys. Quarterbacks tend to kind of commit early. And so um, I think all of that kind of probably helped South Carolina to be able to kind of not have to fend off some of those other teams. Uh, either way, huge pickup for the Gamecocks. No doubt. So I now have a goal in life, unearth soccer highlights of Lenora Sellers. Um. Hopefully that's out there. We shall see. Should but, be. All right. We're at an hour and 15 minutes, so we're going to get off here. He is Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. We'll be back tomorrow. We're probably going to do the live from Market on Main show tomorrow, which means we'll probably be a little bit earlier. I would look for us at about 1 o'clock or so, maybe even a little bit before that. Going to effort having our Notre Dame guest on then. Um, I've been efforting it, but have not heard back. So um, we're going to try to make that happen. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see you all soon. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.